Welcome to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. This is episode 11, The Disappearance of Nyleen Marshall. Hey everyone, before we get started with this episode, I wanted to make an announcement. This is the last episode of Season 1 in 2020. We will be coming back with Season 2 sometime in January of 2021 with many new episodes. This will probably be in the middle or late January of 2021. I have some very exciting things planned for Season 2 and look forward to seeing where it goes. I wanted to thank each and every one of you for supporting me with Season 1. I also wanted to wish you a happy holiday season. I really hope you can make it great. I also want to wish you a happy new year, 2021, and I sure hope it's better than 2020. I hope you're looking forward to season two. I know I am. Happy holidays. Hey everyone, welcome back to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about the disappearance of Nyleen Marshall. She was a four-year-old girl who, in 1983, went missing while on a family picnic. It's a very interesting case, to say the least. Before we get started, I did want to ask a quick favor. If you could, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps others to find the show. Thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate it. Nyleen K. Marshall was born on September 18, 1978. She was four years old at the time of her disappearance. She lived with her mom, Nancy, who was a server at a restaurant, and her adoptive father, Kim, and he took electronics courses at a local college. The family lived in Clancy, Montana, which is just south of Helena, Montana. Nyleen was the middle child and everyone described her as a happy kid who loved being outside and also really loved animals. From all accounts, they were a happy family. They were active members of the local LDS church, or the Mormon church. On the 25th of June, 1983, the family went to a picnic for the Capital City Radio Club. This was held in a really beautiful place, It's called the Elkhorn Mountains, and it's in the Helena National Forest in Montana. Now, this was the summertime, so Nyleen was wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and she was barefoot while she went to play with the other children. At around 4 p.m. that day, Nyleen was playing with the other children near the beaver dams. They were being watched by a 13-year-old girl. The children who were playing with Nyleen walked ahead of her, and when they turned around, she was gone. The accounts are a little fuzzy here, but the 13-year-old girl watching her told her to go to a specific spot and wait while the others went off. And when the girl returned to the spot a couple minutes later, Nyleen was gone. She was last seen along the beaver dams. Right away, an extensive search of the area started. Of course, the children were asked if they had seen anything suspicious and two of them reported that there was this strange man that was wearing a purple jogging suit. And he approached the children and tried to speak with them, but they became frightened and ran away. 
No one really saw him interact with Nyleen, but someone said that Nyleen told them, the man told her to, quote, follow the shadow, whatever that means. Hundreds of volunteers poured in immediately, and they explored every inch of the area, it seemed like. They looked at the beaver dams, they explored the mine shafts, they looked up the mountain, and even searched the lakes and creeks in the area. There was a lot of vegetation in the area that was really thick, so it was possible that they could have missed her. Early on in the search, the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office asked for help from the Lewis and Clark search and rescue teams. They were assisted by helicopters with those heat-sensing devices and also divers who looked through the creeks and the lakes. They even had help from a search dog named Duke, and Duke was able to successfully locate 37 lost persons during his career, but he was unable to find anything in this case. Whenever he would pick up some kind of a scent, he would only follow it for a little bit, and then he would lose it. Searching really wasn't an easy task, but the volunteers did the best that they could. Even though it was summer, the weather would get really cold during the nighttime. The temperature usually went down to the 40s at night, and given what Nyleen was wearing at the time she disappeared, it was unlikely that she would be able to survive the nights if she was alone. There was also a huge downpour that hit and washed away any evidence that probably could have been there. Investigators at first seemed to believe that Nyleen probably just wandered off, but after days of not finding anything, they began to suspect that she was probably abducted. But before they could start treating this case like an abduction, hundreds of people had volunteered to search the area, and of course, they had trampled through the woods and destroyed potential evidence. There was that lead of the suspicious man in the jogging suit, so a composite sketch was drawn up quickly. It did resemble a man who was wanted for child molesting in other states, but sadly, that lead never did pan out. For the next few months, Nyleen's face was featured on billboards and milk cartons across the country because this was the 1980s and milk cartons with missing children on them were very popular during that time. They also sent out flyers with her photograph to department stores in shopping areas. Of course, since this was a missing child, the family was questioned in this. The police even went so far as naming Kim Marshall, her stepfather, as a person of interest. However, he was never formally charged with anything. I think they realized it was unlikely that he was able to do something to her and then return quickly to the picnic without being noticed. All of this not knowing was really tough on her family. Her siblings really missed her so much. It was clear that they really loved their sister. It was tough on her mother and stepfather too. They had suspicions that their daughter had been abducted, but there was no evidence of anything. There was no evidence of foul play or anything else like that. The case went cold for two years until on November 27th, 1985, there was a call to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And this was from a man who claimed to have abducted Nyleen, but was raising her as his own daughter. 
For the next six months, he would continue to contact different organizations, and he even contacted Nileen's parents at least 12 times. He even wrote them letters. Well, they were typed, but he still mailed them letters. Now, of course, the police kept a lot of this information hidden from the public because they didn't want it to get out there. This was a pretty serious investigation, and they didn't want anything to compromise it. The FBI was able to trace the phone calls to a place in Wisconsin, or an area in Wisconsin, and the letters seemed to come from the same place, so they figured that this was probably the same man. However, they did not know who he was exactly. Now, on November 21st, 1990, Nileen's case appeared on an Unsolved Mysteries episode. Now, this is where they shared some of the letter from 1985 that her parents received. Now, I'm going to read the part of the letter that they shared with the public. And he refers to her now as Kay. So the letter starts out, quote, I picked Kay up on the road in Elkhorn Park area between Helena and Boulder. She was crying and frightened, and as I held her, she was shaking, and I decided that I would keep her and love her. I took her home with me. I have a nice investment income, and I can work at home, so I care for her myself all the time. I teach her at home, and she likes to go with me when I travel. Her hair is short and curly now, and she has really grown. She's about 45 inches and around 50 pounds. She has all four of her permanent upper and two of her lower incisors at this time. She takes a bath and brushes her teeth daily. She eats well. Her favorite meal is pizza and cherry. She would gladly recount to you trips to San Francisco, New York, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Nashville, Chicago, Puerto Rico, and Canada. We were even in Britain for a month last year, and she loved it. Nobody questions passports. It is, or where it comes from, only that I get it from the bathroom every morning. It is actually a spoonful of my semen. It doesn't affect her physically. I have never molested her in any way. She is a sweet little girl, and it is because of how much I have grown to love her that I realize how much her family must miss her. But she has adjusted and seems happy. She trusts me and isn't afraid. We play a lot, and she laughs when we clown around. She smiles and acts coy when I tease her. She giggles when we snuggle and hugs me sometimes for no apparent reason. I love her, and I have her. I just can't let her go, end quote. Wow, that's really tough to read because he says he feeds her a spoonful of his semen every morning, which is very disturbing, but he claims to have never molested her in any other way. Now, we all know from true crime stories that, sadly, when these kind of cases happen, there are people that claim to have done these things, even though it's a complete lie. And it's a very sick thing to do, but it does happen from time to time. So we have no idea if this is someone who really took her or just a sick joke. And also, I'm sure a lot of people are questioning, well, if she's older now, why doesn't she reach out to her family, or why doesn't she reach out to the authorities? And if this is the case, you know, she may have no recollection 
of her family because she was only four when this happened. And she could have blocked it out too. She might really not even know who she is. Now, sadly, the Unsolved Mysteries episode did not lead to any evidence that would help in Nyleen's case. But there is some good news. Someone watching the episode, a teacher, called up and said that one of his students might be Nyleen. And sadly, the girl was not Nyleen, but it was a girl named Monica, and she actually had been kidnapped by a non-custodial father. And she was eventually reunited with her mother in time for Christmas. And then Nancy heard about this and was very happy about that. So there is some good news that came from that. There was another lead in 1997. There was a nurse who worked at a New Orleans hospital. And she called the police to say that two years earlier she found a patient that might be Nyleen. She said the woman was around 19 years old and called herself Helena. She came to the hospital with a man and asked to be admitted because she was going to give birth. The hospital staff was suspicious and they asked the couple questions, but the answers did not make any sense to them. Shortly after that, the couple left and then the nurse was watching a rerun of Unsolved Mysteries, the one about Nyleen's case, and she realized that that might be Nyleen. Sadly, somehow the FBI managed to contact this Helena, and she actually agreed to give a blood sample for DNA testing. She didn't have any memory of her childhood. Sadly, the DNA test proved that the woman was not Nyleen or had any relation to her. The other break in the case happened in 1991 when a man named Richard James Wilson confessed to killing Nyleen and also another woman. He had a history of mental illness and he was on probation from a previous crime of sexual assault against a minor. Now, he would give everyone directions to where he buried the woman, but they never could identify any remains. He took them to the Elkhorn Mountains, and there was no body to recover. However, he later recanted his confession, and the authorities realized there was no evidence to charge him with a crime. So really, no one knows what could have happened, if this was true or if he was just mentally ill and lied about it. Now, there was another sort of break in the case, I guess I would say, or at least it was hopeful. But back in 1990, Nyleen's uncle would see two composite sketches of a man and a woman who were wanted for abducting a child in California. And he said that he believed he recognized these two as being volunteers that helped them look for Nyleen in the early days of the search. But sadly, the man and the woman have never been identified, so who knows if that is related to the case or not. Now the case gets even sadder. In 1994, 
Nailene's family moves to Japan. I think this is for Kim's work. Sadly, in 1995, the year later, Nancy Marshall was found dead in a hotel room in Mexico. She had been sexually assaulted and strangled to death, but the police ruled this case as a suicide. Now, the details about Nancy's murder are really murky because I cannot find anything online. Just some speculation, it seems. I guess this was really kept hush-hush for some reason, but from what I gather, the family moved to Mexico, or they were in the process of moving to Mexico, and then Nancy was found in a hotel room, and she was sexually assaulted and strangled to death. But somehow the Mexican authorities ruled this case as a suicide. I don't know if they changed that or not, but everything I found said that she was sexually assaulted and strangled to death. So I'm really not sure. But I do know no one has ever been charged with Nancy's murder. And sadly, she died not getting any answers about what happened to her daughter. But she did die believing that she was abducted and she was still alive. So that's a very sad part of this case. Now, there are websites out there that have posted pictures of what Nyleen would look like as an adult. So you could see that if you do a search for her. And sadly, to this day... The case is still unsolved. No one knows what happened to Nyleen. Now, I will get into a few theories here. And honestly, I have no idea what happened. So I'm not going to speculate. I'm just going to tell you the theories. The first theory, of course, is that she just got lost in the mountains. And this might be true because there is no evidence that she was abducted and there was no struggle there was no signs of struggle or anything like that and as i said before the area was really hard to search in so her body could have easily been missed and if this was the case she probably did not make it through the night sadly because it was so cold and the rain could have easily washed anything away. The next theory is that the man in the purple jogging suit took her. And he might have taken her really fast. So that's why there was no sign of a struggle. I mean, the children that saw this man said that they were scared of him. So something probably was not right. And if he told her to follow the shadow... That could mean something creepy. And there could be no force or sign of force because he just grabbed her up. She was a four-year-old girl. He could have easily done that. And if anyone saw him, they would probably assume that it was just her father or something, even if she was crying. And if that's the case at this point now, she probably has no recollection of this time in her life. And... Maybe the letters and the phone calls did come from him, the abductor. 
We really have no way of knowing. Another theory is that someone could have killed her right there. And that's another reason her body wasn't found. The rain or all the volunteers helping could have accidentally washed away or gotten rid of any evidence of a struggle or her body. So we really have no way of knowing if that's something that happened or not. So that's the other theory that someone just attacked her right there and left her. Because sadly, we do know that the letters or the phone call could have been a hoax. I find this case very sad because the family has so many questions and no answers. And it must be so impossible to go through each day wondering what happened to Eileen and wondering if she's okay or if she was hurting or if she even remembers who she is. It's just heartbreaking for the family. And everything they went through after is really tragic. This is just a really tragic case. And it's also very sad. I really appreciate you joining me on this episode today. I did find it to be a really interesting case, even though it was so tragic and sad. If you could, please take a minute to rate, subscribe, and review. I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at TrueCrimeWorks. And if you have any ideas for upcoming cases, you can either send me a message on Instagram or email me, TrueCrimeWorks at gmail.com. Thank you so much, and I look forward to talking to you next week.